Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We're your hosts, Nathan, Brian. I'm JC. And uh, thanks for being here with us. Episode 151. We are on our way to 200. I think we said episode 200, something like March 8th or something like that. So can you believe 200 episodes? No, I cannot. It's, it's pretty exciting, though. Yes, all, I, all I know is today's March 30th, so I don't know how that's going to work. See, it's retroactive. <laughs> it's called, you know, JC bought a DeLorean and he's going to grow some wispy hairs and we're going back to the future, Nathan. It would be a year away. It's 50. We're at 52 episodes. Oh, 52. you meant 2024. Oh. Yeah, we're on the Dude. March. <laughs> Dude, I thought you meant May. See, I'm the one that's. I need a time machine, Brian, because yeah. I would take that comment back. Listen, I'm a homeschooler, <laughs> but my mama taught me well in that math right there. I just did it. Well, Nathan, it just proves that evil communication corrupts good manners. You pulled me right into it, man. Yeah, I right know. Into it. And Brian, you know what that reminded me of? Or I should say JC. So I don't think we've shared this on the podcast, but the episode that JC preached from Israel was on Mount Precipice. Oh, but then funny. he said Mount Precipitation, and we were laughing at him and giving him a hard time. And I was thinking, where did he get that from? So I searched Mount Precipitation. It's the same mountain. It, it has yeah. multiple names. Yeah. But so, he didn't know that. Right, so we, used the word we, had to, uh, we had to apologize to him. Has, no, has that no. ever happened before? JC tripped what? and fell and just happened to land mouth down on a Krispy Kreme donut. <laughs> he did not do that on purpose. <laughs> we all know it. Oh, Oh my that's that's a pretty good analogy, Brian. I I've I hope that happens that to before. me one day. <laughs> Brian, how you been this week? Everything, you know, guys. Flowing? I got some great news. Um, so over the past several weeks, you know, we're we're pretty private over here, and for the past several weeks, I've been having some pretty serious complications, and the symptoms were of something incredibly serious. So I went to the doctor, and. When they say we're going to get you in next week for all of these tests that would normally be a few months off, guys, I'd done everything but engrave my headstone and imagine my wife and her new husband living better on my insurance money than we ever have. And uh, I went to the doctor and so the was she. news. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> too bad, honey. Um, you stuck it, with me. It's not time yet. But Yo, I went to the doctor. Good. They did all the tests. Very invasive test, I might add. And the great news is it it was something that was correctable, not something that is life-threatening. And so, fellas, I have been a joyous version of myself, if you can imagine that. <laughs> Me, joyful. It means, actually, I moved the corner of the right side of my mouth up twice this week. So it's been, <laughs> it's been a hoot. Well, That's Brian, cool. I was really glad to hear that that there was nothing serious, no cancer. I mean, that was, that was a huge, huge answer to prayer. And it's a huge relief because anytime you hear that word or anytime you're yes. worried about tests or, uh, we give you a hard time, but dude, we love you, man. And I'm, I'm glad oh, I love you uh, guys too. I'm really glad that we got a good report this week. A lot of people were praying for you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was, it was pretty exciting. And you know, when you wake up off of anesthesia, you know, you're a little loopy. By the way, if 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 a nurse anesthetist could do that job at home, everybody would want to marry one of those people just so you could get the <laughs> best sleep of your life every single night. Because, man, they put you out and it is over. Speaking of sleep. I've been sleeping really good this last week. So you know how we, we've talked about there's even fake tick or uh, Twitter accounts jc's uvula remember we've talked about that where <laughs> yes. my uvula will swell up <laughs> Listen, for four years i've been talking about my daggum uvula swelling up and somebody made a twitter handle that says jc's uvula well i figured out why it's because i snore like a pig digging for roots and speaking of sleep i went and had a sleep study done guys listen i had 300 i'm not exaggerating one bit 376 episodes between 1 a.m and 7 a.m that means I stopped wow. one every five, six seconds. And uh, my oxygen level was getting down to like 47%. A dead body's 21%. And Dude. so they're on a CPAP. So I have strapped in and I have slept 
longer than five hours for the first time in years. I woke up without a headache. I didn't know that you were supposed to wake up and not feel like you're about to have a stroke. Like it's been nice to have a really good night's sleep. So I need to tell all of you who have been debating on getting a sleep study done. Cause listen, Israel, I walked down the hallway. I woke up early one morning, walked down the hallway and that whole group, like a bunch of pigs digging for roots, man, you need to go get a sleep study done and uh, you'll sleep better. I could smell colors. It's unbelievable. I'm like reading everything. I'm sitting in the shower, reading the back of the shampoo bottle. I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. <laughs> it is, uh, it's been nice. Hold it. Hold it. Are you saying you shampoo? Do you see this chin curtain? Doesn't get that way overnight. <laughs> okay. And your uvula has shrunk back to normal size. Yes, I now have a normal size uvula. So whoever you fake a non JC's uvula, your Twitter handle is irrelevant. You but know, JC. Go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> no, what were you going to say, Brian? No, I was just going to say, I, you know, JC was sweet a minute ago about my test. So I was just going to bust a joke when he brought up his beard. But actually, in real time, I actually caught it. I was going to say, your beard <laughs> makes me a believer that hormone therapy must really work. But <laughs> I did. I caught myself, JC, because you were sweet to me. So I'm not uh, making that joke at you now. I didn't say I'm glad you didn't say thing. that, Brian. Oh, man. I know you were sweet to me. That's why I stopped. I know. I didn't say one thing about the gas after you came out of anesthesiology and you were <laughs> talking about <laughs> I let that flow, man. I just oh, let it pass. Man. I let it pass and didn't say anything about it. If people yeah, only too. knew all the oh. directions that conversation could have gone. But we're not going to do that. But what I was going to say, JC, is your uvula shrunk back down. But this week you were watching some videos of a local uh, Jubilee yeah. and your head swelled up multiple times, I think. By the way, they just can't keep us out of their mouth, can they? Man, so I I, I don't know why, but it was kind of like, it was like watching a car wreck. I couldn't stop. There, It was right down the road. I was very tempted to jump in the car and go down there. The spring Jubilee, more like the spring echo chamber. But every guy, it felt like that got up there and shouted into that echo chamber, mentioned us or something about us. But it was... There was one message, and I really want to give credit where credit is due. There's a guy by the name of Tim LaFleur. Tim LaFleur. Is that his Fle name? Tim Fleur. 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 He preached a phenomenal word, man. I watched the whole thing, and I even commented on the uh, YouTube video, and I said, hey, this is an incredible word. He brought the word of God very clearly. The gospel was presented. And then it's un unbelievable. The, the other two preachers that followed him, it literally bipolar opposites of what he just preached about mm. in that moment. Of course, he didn't get any amens or shouting or people hollering, but then the following week he had to jump up. What, what Brian, go ahead. I think that's why the next night, didn't he reverse it? He didn't reverse it. He just jumped up and said, Hey, I just need to make some clarifying statements. I'm King James version only. I'm with y'all. It was almost like the message was too <laughs> Too, too much Bible and not enough rhetoric. And so he had to kind of <laughs> verify. Well, you know, um, I've, I actually know who he is and, uh, you know, I want to thank him actually, uh, because, you know, my dad and I, for a long time talked about the scripture versus tradition. And it really strained our relationship. Not that we were ever not best friends, but that was the center of conversation when we were together. You know, my dad constantly trying to convince me to come back in the other direction for which I told him I couldn't because it's a matter of conviction. And you taught me my entire life. I was supposed to believe truth. Mm -hmm. So now that I've seen truth and I'm giving you truth, I can't compromise the truth. But my dad was actually at their Jubilee in Florida the night my phone rang. And because of what he saw and heard in that service, he actually called me on the cell phone from the back row. I'll never forget. He called and he was saying, and I said, Daddy, why are you whispering? He said, because I'm sitting on the back row. I said, you're calling me from a church auditorium? What are you doing? He said, I finally see it. I understand everything you've been telling me. The light's on now. I get it. Mm. So, wow. so thank you, Tim, not only for a great message, yeah. but for displaying the things that opened my dad's eyes to the truth. Nate, yeah. didn't you send him a text? Yeah, I, so I, I, multiple people sent me a message about how good the sermon was and how much it was like a breath of fresh air in the echo chamber. It really was. And uh, the rhetoric. And uh, so I went and watched it. I watched the whole thing and I even sent it to a few people. I said, You've got to go listen to the sermon. So I sent Tim, who I'm actually related 
to Tim Fleur. His sister married my brother, so we're in-laws and uh, love their family. And we don't agree on everything, obviously, but he and I have had multiple conversations since the podcast has started. And and he's been always been incredibly respectful to me. And I've never tried to be anything but respectful to him. And uh, I sent him a text and I said, hey, bro, that sermon you just preached was amazing. It honored God. It challenged my heart, exalted Christ, because here's what he did. He preached the Bible. Everything he said came from the Bible, and he he preached the Word of God. It was expositional. It came out of the text. He said what the text said, and he exalted Christ. It yeah. was glorious. And, and let's be honest, every one of us could say that we heard many sermons like that growing up in the IFB. There were, there were times at almost every camp meeting where somebody would stand up and just lay down the tradition and just preach the Bible, and it was a breath of fresh air when that would happen. So I, I sent him that text. Then the next text I sent him, I said, hey, if anyone's ever wondering how to shut down the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, it's preaching sermons like that. Mm-hmm. If the IFB would start preaching sermons like that, we wouldn't have any reason to even exist. We wouldn't have anybody else to challenge because that sermon was was awesome. It was the Bible. It came from a text, and it was a sermon on more of Christ and less of me. That's right. Well, I think that would actually give our podcast a reason to go on because we we could continue to interview all of them like all of the other people we've seen who's actually seen the light and stepped over into the truth and laid down tradition and exchanged that for truth. So Mm. I think if they all change, that gives us a reason to keep going. There you go. It just makes the conversation better. Yep. We just have to shift gears a little bit. Yeah. Your hair's got to be on a podcast, Nathan. It just has to happen. <laughs> hey, guys, speaking of of news and all this other stuff, so uh, I got my haircut today. You can see this, right? This is going to be mm-hmm. on YouTube. So That's why you I commented. See, you see I got a haircut. Thank you. But the reason I got my haircut is because my son is getting married on Sunday hey, in, wow. in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I am so excited. We love his fiance and can't wait to be there. Um, one of my best friends is doing the wedding and, uh, he's actually related to the bride, Christian Coder. He's related to Katie and I'm obviously related to my son, Austin. So Christian and I are going to be family on Sunday. So how, how cool is that? It would be a pastor's kid gets married on Sunday. I I know it. (laughs) That's how much he loves his daddy. And that's how much he loves (laughs) the Lord. Gives you a free day off. (laughs) That's it. Well, guys, I'm excited about today's episode. We've got two guys on the podcast that have been friends for a long time with me, and uh, uh, they're no strangers to the podcast. These guys get to speak literally to thousands of teenagers every year, and uh, you can find them at Word of Life, which is an incredible Bible institute and camps in New York and in Florida. We have Tommy Sewell, Sewell. Sewell and Kyle Gray, and uh, I've never been able to say Tommy's you last name. You practiced that like so, so much today. Uh, I'll get it someday, but uh, we're excited to have them on, and uh, they're going to be sharing today just an incredible story, and uh, I think we should jump right into the episode. Y'all ready? I'm ready. ready. Let's go. Covering Fundamentalist Podcast begins in three. These podcasts, <laughs> podcasts, that sounds like a convention of beans or peas to me. I'm podcast. Listen, in these recovering fundamentalists, they don't know the Bible either. What are the fundamentals? Inerrancy, virgin birth of Jesus Christ, Amen. substitutionary atonement, Amen. bodily resurrection Amen. of Christ, and the authenticity of miracles. Amen. Two. I am not a recovering fundamentalist. They're everywhere. They're all over the internet. They want to be, uh, what do they call it? Recovering from fundamentalism. They're everywhere. And I think to myself, well, you were just stupid to begin with. And if there's such a word, you're stupider now. We ain't recovering from nothing, good neighbor. We're reviving from the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, man, Everybody wants to focus on recovering. Oh, you're recovering. Oh, you need yeah. help. You need therapy. You're recovering. Let's focus on fundamentalist. We're recovering fundamentalism back from people who have hijacked it. We are biblical. Phew. Family, we are the 
fundamentalist. Man. That'll make a Baptist want to speak in tongues right there, boys. One. I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, we better stay uh, in the old paths. But what are the old paths? I've heard that my whole life, and nobody's ever been able to tell me what the old paths or the old-time religion really is because it's whatever era you mm -hmm. overly romanticize in your mind as being when the church was it. right. Mm. Like it, lump it, pump it, chump it, take it across the street and dump it. We've raised a generation that is ashamed of our forefathers and act like they were somehow done wrong in the way they were brought up and they were damaged and they were scarred because they were raised in a home that had standards and convictions and kept them on the old time way. You got their number, boys. Y'all thought you started the podcast. You went and started a movement. Thanks for joining us for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Make sure to stay tuned at the end of the show to hear more about the RFP sponsors. Now, here's your host for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, Nathan Cravat, J.C. Groves, and Brian Edwards. Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us today. I'm excited to remind everybody that we are going to the Holy Land in 2024. And here are the dates for you, January 26th through February 3rd. Put that in your calendar, put that in your pipe and smoke it, whatever you're going to do. Come to the Holy Land with us because last time we talked about the Holy Land, JC, it was all hypothetical, right? We had heard it was amazing. We knew that this was going to be life-changing, and yeah. we were trying to hype it, but we had no clue. Now right. we have a clue. We've been there. We've walked and touched the streets where Jesus walked and seen the locations and heard the stories in a new way. I yeah. think every sermon I've preached since I've been back from the Holy Land, Same. something has connected to the Holy Land. And every time I've studied and even read my daily devotionals or study for a sermon, it has come to life in such mm -hmm. a new way. So I want to challenge any pastor. This is a pastor's trip again. Any pastor that wants to go experience the Holy Land with us, go to the recoveringfundamentalist.org. It's not the, right? It's just, just recoveringfundamentalist.org. Recovering and it's right on the front page. You can click that. And by the way, there's there's text underneath it that tells you what the password is for the website. It's all explained right there, but go check it out. And uh, the price is on there. Do you remember right off the top of your head what the price is, JC? $2,895. I just remembered it. $2,895. $2,895. That is literally the cheapest you'll ever be able to go to Israel. Ever. It's half price. And that covers everything. It's Food, half price and it's travel. Only for pastors. Yeah. So we want you to join us. Great trip. Sounds great. Can't wait to be back. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to Easter just to be like, hey, I've stood in the tomb and I've seen it with my own eyeballs. It's empty. Dude, it, it's empty. And hey, we've we've got two pastors on here with us. But they, they, they should go to the Holy Land. Guys, have you considered going to the Holy Land with J.C. Groves? I mean, the stories you will come back with are just like... Tommy will Priceless. probably be right in the middle of snow camp, but Kyle, you don't get snow in Florida, so you could go. No, but we do have winter camp, so. Oh, never mind. Well, we want to introduce you to two guys that are friends of the podcast. This is Kyle Gray and Tommy Sewell, and uh, they are the directors of Word of Life Florida and Word of Life in New York, the island, and uh, these guys have... Uh, have been speaking to teenagers for many years and doing some incredible work. And uh, guys, it is good to finally get you on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Welcome. Hey, thanks so much. We're excited to be able to be here with you guys. Yeah, thanks. And just fun. We were, we've been talking about this for a while, JC, uh, yeah. getting on here. So it's great. I mean, you already got merch. You're wearing, you're, you're repping the swag yeah. already. Look at that. Can't beat it. Sorry, Kyle. Someday you'll get one. <laughs> That's how we roll. So, hey, as we are setting up, before we jump into today's conversation, we just want to give our, our audience a, a chance to get to know you, uh, kind of your story, how you met Jesus, how you ended up at Word of Life, into the positions that you're in there, and uh, then we can follow along with with camps and stuff after that. So, Tommy, you want to start? Yeah, sure. So, um, I grew up here in Scroon Lake, and both my parents worked for Word of Life, so I grew up um, just around ministry. 
Uh, put my faith in Jesus for salvation as a kindergartner. I attended a Christian school and uh, the conclusion of one of our chapels. That's where I, I really made that decision and put my faith in Jesus. Grew up, uh, you know, in ministry, around ministry. Um, never, my dad's always on the background of stuff. Um, so I kind of grew up in the midst of just kind of the behind the scenes of it all. But um, loved it, loved camp ministry, um, used to, you know, work in camp every summer and just be a part of camp ministry. Kyle and I actually really a big part of our friendship, um, was made out in California. We would go out there every summer and work at a, a world of life camp, um, that they ran out there. So I did that all through high school and, um, went to the, the Bible Institute, uh, left, went to Baptist Bible college, studied youth ministry there really left intending to be a youth pastor and um, had the opportunity to come back and work here at World of Life in camp. Wasn't what I was expecting to do, necessarily even wanted to do, um, but came back and worked in camp and really fell in love with the, the ministry of camp in the lives of students. I saw the power that it had, and it also, I realized, was just where I wanted to be. It's, it's all about fun and faith and and I'm all about having fun. And, and so it was, it, it was just, I fell in love with it and I've been working here, kind of started out just in a entry level position. And then just over the years have uh, stayed on and now getting to oversee the Island, which is just, you know, a dream job uh, for me and, and snow camp and, and other things as well. But yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. Awesome. So I grew up in a uh, in a pastor's home and uh, heard the gospel all my life, trusted Christ at a young age, but I grew up as a uh, people pleaser. My podcast would be called Recovering People Pleaser and, <laughs> uh, and, and constantly felt like I was, uh, you know, had I done the right thing, had I done enough, um, loved life, loved having fun, uh, grew up going to Word of Life camp. And knew I wanted to go to the Bible Institute because I wanted to be a counselor. I wanted to to have that role that uh, that my counselors had in my life and impacted my life. Um, and like I said, as I, as I grew up, knew or believed that I knew Christ. And at the same time, anytime I heard somebody give the gospel, felt like, hey, what if I just didn't do the right thing or, or say the right words or whatever? And so I might not go forward, but God, you know that I believe this, and I know I believe this. But I'm just going to walk through this prayer again. And it wasn't in until I went to the Bible Institute and sitting in my dorm room in my very first year at the World of Life Bible Institute. And I just remember reading my Bible and just going, God, I've, I've made all this about what I'm bringing to the table and what I've said and what I've done. And it has not, all I've brought is, is my broke, busted, disgusted self. It's what you did on the cross through, for me and uh, mm. and through the tomb. And uh, I remember pulling out a three by five card and writing on there. Uh, I have a relationship with Christ, not because I said the right words or did the right things, but because of what he did for me. I taped it on the inside of my nice. Bible. Amen. And probably about uh, six months later, by the grace of God, uh, that card fell out because I would find myself, if I ever went to this place of like doubting, I'd open up and I'd be like, oh, this card's there. And it was like, God was like, hey, I'm going to make that card fall out because it's not because you have that card there. Um yeah. And so uh, grew up, uh, spent spent three awesome years on World Life Island, uh, working with the program fun activity side, then got to do nine years out in West Coast Camp in California, like Tommy said. Uh, and then I actually, um, during that time, was on staff with Word of Life, a uh, branch of them called Local Church Ministries, where we worked with youth groups, children's ministries, uh, preschool ministries, working with those leaders and helping them in the areas of evangelism, discipleship, and leadership development. Uh, worked for nine years out in the awesome state of Texas and just watching God do some incredible things out there. Got to see that ministry really kind of take place and, and, and birth. There was a guy there before me, but he left in like 87. And so when we showed up in 2006, it was like a brand new ministry. Uh, and then through some different circumstances, Word of Life pulled us back and asked us to move to back to New York. And uh, during that time, uh, they interacted with us and said, hey, would you guys pray about stepping into the camp world? And so uh, to summer 2015, we showed up in uh, two days before training week. I don't recommend showing up two days before your first year of camp as the camp director, but I thought, why not? And so uh, <laughs> been doing that ever since. And uh, it's been awesome to be able to, uh, like Tommy and I said, see our heartbeats 
that word of life and, and the Lord Jesus Christ has just developed within us and, and the life change that we've seen happen in our lives at camp, now turn that around and see, be able to see that happen in, in the lives of our staff and in the lives of those that whom we get to minister to. So, it's been, it's been awesome to watch as an outsider, somebody that's been loosely connected with Word of Life for many years and just the last couple of years, really right back into the middle of, of everything, but to watch the progression of Word of Life and how it's just kind of evolved into this incredible ministry. Because I'll be honest, a lot of the people listening, Word of Life was very liberal. I mean, even back in the day, Word of Life was considered like, you know, very CCM and in KJV. And, you know, I mean, they, they would have all these random preachers in and it's just camp. And I mean, I remember hearing word of life was, was kind of a bad word, honestly, you know, at Tennessee temple. And we always pointed out the Wolby students, the word of life students that were at temple. You were like, those are the people that need Jesus. So it was like a mission field. While you were at school. <laughs> but just being there the summer that I went for the, to work, what was that called? S-E-T-S-I-T-C. SEC. What did that mean? I still have no idea what that it, means. It stood for Summer Training Corps. So ah. it was our it was our workers. Uh, so we have a whole crew of people that come in on the counseling side that work with the campers. And then we have a whole crew of people that work on the operations yeah. behind the scenes side. I kept saying I was that, but I had no idea what I was doing. I was one of the first people I met when I was there. And uh, man, that summer, 2000, I had just graduated high school, getting ready to be a freshman at Tennessee Temple University. And it was that summer that God really used to start breaking down this shift in my heart out of legalism into what a real relationship with Jesus was like. I mean, you're on an island, so you're pulled apart from everything. But it was like I was away from the bubble, from the noise, and I could hear God speak clearly. And I mean, out there driving boats on Scroon Lake, uh, just, I mean, surrounded by beauty, but watching guys like Kyle who loved Jesus, but were just as crazy as I was and, and seeing this whole group of people that were really on fire for Jesus, but they weren't doing it the way that I'd always seen it done. And uh, man, I, I, I love I love what Word of Life is, what it stood for, and what it has become. And uh, you guys are reaching a lot of people, and your demographic is growing um, and changing. You got the BI now um, in Florida and in New York. And uh, I know we have a ton of college students that listen to uh, the program. Y'all tell us about Word of Life Bible Institute. Yeah, the way I explain it to people is the Bible Institute, really our, our mission, our goal is to help you build a biblical foundation for a life on mission. Um, and so we're fully accredited. That means you get, you know, full college credits for it. Um, but we're just a, a one or two year program. So you come here for your first year or your second year, and then you can transfer out to any other college, take all those credits with you. Um, but I kind of use this illustration of every Every house needs a foundation, and if you just focus on the house and, and you kind of skip past the foundation, even the nicest house in the world is doomed uh, in, in time. Yeah. And what we do at Word of Life at the Bible Institute is we focus on the foundation um, and then go anywhere you want, put any house on it that you want. Um, and the house built on that foundation, which is of the Word of God, and that's you know the focus of the Bible Institute, it, it's it's really helping prepare students uh, to live a life on mission for the rest of their lives. I remember uh, actually hearing another uh, college uh, guy stand up and say this statement, and it has become my mantra as I talk to young people about the importance of taking a year or two years to attend the Bible Institute and just study the Word of God. He said this, he said, you have to come to a point where you realize every school is a religious school. Every school is a biblical university school because every school is going to teach you how to think about God, and it will either draw you closer to his heart or it will seek to draw you further away from his heart. Mm. And so uh, I love that we get the opportunity to help students not only just learn the word of God, but put it into practice with, with ministry. And uh, we, we want to help to grow the next generation of passionate young people to reach this world for Jesus Christ. So. You know, we've actually had several um, young people in the family of Hope Church that actually went to Word of Life Bible Institute, and they've been some of the greatest volunteers and some of the absolute most solid people to see those young people love Jesus and love his church. So, um, you know, having even never been to Word of Life, um, I've learned to appreciate Word of Life just by knowing those individuals and seeing their heart for God and their heart for his word. 
Yeah, I, I've never had an opportunity to be there, but I've heard so many good things about you guys. I, I went to Tennessee Temple High School. JC went to the college, but I was there in the uh, the high school, graduated in 95. So tells you how old I am. But in 94, the year before I graduated, going into the summer, I just started dating this girl. So this is my uh, this story is my only personal experience with Word of Life. I've heard great things, but I think you guys need to know this story, how this story shaped my life. And uh, someone there needs to be aware of this. So I started dating this girl right before the summer. She goes off to work as a counselor at Word of Life camp. I stay at home in Chattanooga, got a summer job, and we're talking on the phone, you know, all the time and going through, well, about halfway through the summer, maybe three or four weeks in, um, we had a phone call and she let me know that she was interested in one of the other counselors there at Word mm-hmm. of Life. And I'm not going to mention her name or his name, or I don't even remember his name, but it might have been one of you guys for all I know. I, I have no idea. We're but not that old. Even even if yeah. it was, <laughs> even if it was somebody that you know, you need to tell them thank you for me because we both agreed. <laughs> like I had actually met a girl the, the night before we had that conversation. So she's like, yeah, I'm interested in someone. I was like, yeah, I kind of am too. Okay, let's just go our different ways. Well, I didn't start dating that girl, but that girl is the girl that introduced me to Carrie my wife, who I've been married to for 27 years. So God moves in mysterious mm-hmm. ways. And mm-hmm. my my wife, my marriage, my kids, we we all owe it to Word of Life Camp. So, dude, mm-hmm. how's that for a recommendation? You wow. picked a fine time to leave me, Lucy. There we go. <laughs> Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. We, I was telling my mom that we were talking to folks from Word of Life, and she's like, that phone bill. And if you remind me of that, there was a Woo! phone outside of the boathouse. It was a pay phone. And uh, I never had calling cards or anything. So I would call mom and dad collect the summer that I worked there. And they racked up a thousands of dollars worth of collect calls. Cause I'd get bored and just pick up the phone and dial collect and be like, Hey mama, I'm bored. How you doing? I'd never been away from, you know, homeschool kid. I gotta, gotta have my mama. <laughs> Tommy and Kyle, y'all, y'all get to speak to thousands of students every year Mm. between snow camp and summer camp uh what do you feel is kind of the the culture the 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 feel what's your finger on the pulse of this generation gen z right now how do you keep up with how to point them to jesus Uh, we got a lot of youth pastors a lot of people that are walking and working with gen z um what do you what do you feel is the the underlying current right now of, of getting people to have a real relationship with jesus ironically enough actually went on kyle's podcast uh this last i forget when that was giving tuesday so uh about two two months ago three months ago and i talked a lot about um gen z what we're seeing right now Um, there's been a bunch of new research that's come out um just this last year that's on the end of gen z so like the the younger uh students right now and that they're really interested in Jesus. Um, they are, they have a higher than expected interest in who Jesus is, what he said, what he did, an inaccurate view of who he was, even a startlingly, like startlingly, only 49% of Christians would say that Jesus was also God, which mm. makes you kind of pause and go, well, that that doesn't even really add up but are they really christians <laughs> if right, they don't right. know that <laughs> yeah um but but between between was jesus actually god was he a prophet that there's almost no doubt amongst gen z that he was of spiritual significance um and they're very interested in, in who he was um forgiveness is really high on the list of things that they're interested in about jesus um it's the overwhelming percentage of the things that that they're the traits of jesus that they're interested in so i think that's it's really encouraging to me um especially in light of there's just been a lot of other things that have happened recently um that are also pointing people pointing students to jesus and i think that's uh i i, I find the apologetic around Jesus life to be very convincing. And I think it's probably the, the entry point. If I could pick one for students, it would, 
be to look at Jesus' life and the evidence that's mm. there for it. So, um, yeah. I'm I'm very encouraged by that research that's coming out, and we're trying to take that then and and say, okay, how does that change, or how how do we leverage that when we're talking to students? Yeah, when you're when you're looking at a culture uh, that is looking at the digital natives that they are, but are are also saying. This world, this digital world that we have been so drawn into have only brought us to places of compare and despair. Uh, they they describe their world as painful. Uh, they they will say that, that that idea of hope sounds like it was a fantasy world that could have been achieved at one point in this perfect utopia, uh, but is it really possible? And, and to have the opportunity to talk to them about this Jesus who wants to step into their hurt and into their circumstances and into their uh, their world um, and, and walking through the narratives of the Gospels of how Jesus, everybody he met and interacted with, he had one message. It was hope. He had one message, which was, which was, hey, there's better mm -hmm. than anything that this world has to offer. And that's intriguing to them, which, which is crazy to me because so many of them are so anti-religious philosophy and yet they're like intrigued with Jesus. Hmm. And so it's, it's really cool. Hey guys, can I ask a question? I, I just, I had one of the most amazing conversations with my youngest daughters this week and one daughter's 22 and then our, our baby is 19. But we had a really, really intense conversation. And they're bro both incredibly bright girls and, and know the scripture and and love God. But they were talking to me this week. And at one point, the conversation became so heavy. There were tears shed. Mm -hmm. They were saying, Daddy, my generation, our generation, is tired of just hearing about God and learning about God and being given more information about God. Daddy, we really want to experience God. Are you guys hearing that? And what would you say to the young person who would ask that question? I hope you can do a better job than this old daddy did. Uh, but you, you work with kids every week. So what would you say to the young people who are saying, Hearing it is great. We want to experience it. I'm not surprised. The first thing I'd say is like, I'm not surprised at all by that. You know, you, you think about just this generation and their, just their access to everything that's out there um, has kind of diluted a lot of that. And so experience really rises to the surface on, in, in their world of like, I can see a lot of things. I can hear a lot of things, but to be able to actually tangibly experience it um, for myself, I think there's probably a, another piece of that that is this generation's trying to figure out what's true. Mm. Um, some some people have suggested calling them true gen because of all the characteristics that are out there about this generation, they're suggesting. And I wouldn't say it's the overwhelming amount, but there's a, there's a group that would suggest the single defining characteristic of Gen Z would be the pursuit of truth. You know, their living in their generation is all about your truth and my truth, which we know means that's not actually true. And right. so I, I think inside of that experience, because if you can experience something then you can know that it is true. You know, like it's it's hard to uh, re refute something that you have experienced. Whereas if you just have heard something or been taught something, you're left wondering, is there somebody else that's going to come tell me the opposite of that? Or is there some evidence that's going to come up uh, that's opposite of that? So I think, I think probably that's what's underneath the surface in that desiring of experience is really if i can experience it then i can know that it's real that i can know that it's true i think in a world and and i would agree with tommy it's no surprise most of these young people have grown up at a place where they have been told and taught question everything because nothing is as it actually seems right and so and so now then we get upset when they question things and we go no 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 but you can't question this over here 
And, and I think that's the hard part because you either question everything or you don't question anything. And so as, as I read through first John, I love that beginning part where he talks about, Hey, Hey, listen, this is a truth that we saw that we heard that we touched with our own hands that we saw with our own eyes. And I think they're looking for that opportunity, not to just know about Jesus, but to experience um, him working in their lives to seeing him moving. I mean, how many times have we all said, man, I just, God, I want to just see you work in my ministries. I'm praying that you move. And, and father, if I can look back and see your fingerprints all over it, and, and yet at the same time, I'm so focused on my efforts. Mm. And so I think for these young people today, helping them to just dive into prayer uh, to them, for them to dive into God, I, I want to see you moving. God, I want to see you changing. Um, it, it's taking them back to, I want, when I say I want to experience this, Hey, I find more times than not, I have to tell them what I'm experiencing Jesus in their life looking like. Hey guys, I'm noticing the growth in your life because three months ago, six months ago, you would have exploded all over that person. You would have gone, you would have lost your mind. You would have gone to places of complete despair. You would have lost your, 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 uh, you know, your cool. You, you wouldn't have been able to keep it together. You would have started hyperventilating, but look at you now. Hey, that that's Jesus working in your life. That's, that's you saying no to self and yes to yes to him. And so, um, I think that's hard. We don't naturally notice Jesus working in our lives, but when somebody else can come alongside of us and say, Hey, I'm seeing him work in your life mm. and pointing out those specific ways. That's, that's letting them know. Oh yeah. Wow. That, that is true. You know what? You're right. I, I would have lost it on that guy that cut me off on the road. And my first thought was, all right, that's okay. They must be going through something, you know? So. A quick plug for camp too. I think, uh, I, I've said for a while, and I think summer camp will have a bigger impact on this generation than any previous generation, um, and largely because at both of our camps, you're not allowed to have your cell phone. Um, and so you come to camp, and now you're surrounded by other people that love Jesus, and the emphasis, there's so much focus on the truth of God's word. It's also a ton of fun, and the secret you know, piece of it is you we've removed the ability to distract yourself in those in the still quiet moments of the week and that i think is where we are seeing campers experience their faith in a different way because and, and I, you know i want to be careful not to be too critical of students because it's the same thing i do you know the second that something you know isn't entertaining me i just i, I escape yeah. to that so but i i do think that's part of why we're seeing the fruit that we are in camp is because students are coming there and they're experiencing God unlike how they do the rest of the year. It's crazy because this thing uh, that we think has brought us so much deeper connections and so much, so many more connections no, has actually separated us. Right. Uh, and the thing that we, we hear again and again and again is I will hear students that will say with, without me being able to run to this, uh, which, which honestly is more of a numbing agent mm. from the experiences of what I'm going through. I'm trying to escape, but, but without me, me being able to run there, I feel like I breathed for the first time. I, pre I feel like I, I actually plugged into something authentic for the first time. I actually had to interact and talk to people for the first time. Um, and, and it made me feel like I was actually experiencing life. Mm. And so uh, that that's what I love uh, in talking to these. I, we have an incredible scholarship program and to help campers that that have needs to get there. And uh, and the amount of single moms that will write us and say, I just want my sons. I just want my daughters. I just want my kids to be able to come to camp for a week and not have to worry about mom. Mm. I, I, I don't think that even any of us here can possibly fathom or begin to fathom the hurt and the despair that so many of these kids walk through every single day and for them to be able to unplug from that and be able to just experience fun for a week and and not wonder uh who's going to say what to them is uh, you know what what remark is going to be made about them why aren't you more like this or why do you keep doing this or 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 read even just the stupidity that other people write about them on this thing yeah. um I mean, some of them just, I can breathe for the first time. 
two things that I want to, I want to speak into that one. Uh, I, I would encourage anybody listening, it, send your kid to camp like the, the, especially Florida or New York word of life, find a good Bible teaching. I can say this because I love word of life. It is intentional from the moment go like every morning, afternoon, evening, like everything flows and it's very intentional. And the people that are there, they are very uh, intentional and they're on purpose to pour into your student. And uh, I would highly encourage you. We'll put uh, in the uh, show notes, we'll put the links to get signed up for camp because uh, we'd love for you to go Florida or New York. The second thing that as I'm sitting here listening to y'all talk, my heart breaks in certain ways because I know the culture that this podcast reaches, um, there's students that are not allowed to ask why. Um, there are <laughs> students that are not given that opportunity to to say, okay, who is Jesus and why do I love Jesus and what does Jesus mean to me? Because their Jesus is don't be feminine, uh, be masculine, uh, you know, wear a suit, shout amen, carry a big King James Version Bible, carry a pocket knife. Like it, that's just what I've heard this week from this, this Jubilee that I've been listening to. And there's no opportunity to question or to ask why. I was taught growing up in the way that Brian Nathan asking why was a sin, <laughs> you know, asking why was like, Hey, you're doubting. I mean, and I didn't want to doubt because if you're 99, per, you know, if there's 1% doubt, you're hundred percent lost. Hey, man, is what we were told. But in this culture, that is where I want, I want you to hear if you're listening to this and you've just kind of felt dirty for asking why uh, continue to reach out. Cause there are people um, that want to help you and and give you those questions to those answers and walk alongside of you and just say, I see this in you. Um, you can message us um, at share at recoveringfundamentalist.org. And uh, we we get stories all the time. Every day, our email is blowing up. Go ahead, Kyle. JC, there, there are a lot of people that I will talk to, uh, a lot of adults, but even a lot of kids that come up to camp and, and they don't say it exactly. This is not word for word, but essentially here's what they say. For far too long, I served an angry Jesus. Mm. For far too long, I followed an angry Jesus because I felt like if I didn't just shut up, get in line and do exactly what I was supposed to do. And I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. Yeah. But but I, 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 I saw in his word where he said, how long are you going to doubt me? Yeah. Instead of the kindness of Jesus that said, guys, I, I, I've been with you so long, have I not, you know? And But again, I think so many times we serve an angry, angry Jesus. And I just don't think that's the way he walked around. He walked around in grace and in truth, but in grace. Don't you think also that we've been guilty for, for a long time of pointing kids to a religious system mm. rather than pointing them to Jesus? Mm -hmm. you know, I remember growing up believing Jesus was this series of disciplines that I was supposed to do, this series of regulations that I was supposed to keep. I don't think I ever really understood what it what it meant to have a relationship with a living Jesus who actually knew everything there was to know about me and still loved me just the same. Yeah, I, I've been talking a lot about, and I don't think this is new, it's been around for a while, but, you know, for a long time, I think we operated with this idea of, you know, change your behavior, uh, then you can believe, and then we'll let you belong. And I think if we're going to reach this generation, we've got to offer belonging for free to everybody. And I think wow. that's how Jesus was. And then students will believe after they've seen something that's different, something that's powerful that they want in their life. And after they have believed, once they have the Holy Spirit of God inside of them, yeah, yeah, then we see the behavior change. But if we, and, and this is a very Gen Z term, if we gatekeep the gospel yeah. behind behavior changing, uh, this generation's like, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, that, that's not going to be me. Tommy. So, yeah, the, the amount of times that when we get to the end of our gospel presentations, we present the gospel, we give an opportunity for people to respond to that gospel. Um, but but the amount of times that we will get up and we will say, now, here's the deal. In this room, there are some of you, you have questions. Can I tell you something really, really cool? You read through the gospels. Jesus never turned anybody away when they had questions. He invited the questions. Mm -hmm. Or two, there are some of you in here that have doubts. Jesus never turned anybody away for having doubts. He never got mad at him and said, how dare you ask that question? And how dare you doubt me? How dare you not just get in line? No, 
the only people he ever seemingly got frustrated with was the religious pretenders. Yeah. Yes, sir. And so guys, this week, you've got doubts and questions, bring them. So go ahead. Sorry, Brian. No, I told somebody recently, you know, Thomas doubted the fundamental thing that Jesus taught that he would die and rise again. And never once did Jesus ever stop calling him a disciple. Oh, you, you read Matthew 28, literally before he's ascending. And what does it say? And some of them still doubted. Yeah. I mean, he had risen from the dead and they were worshiping and praising him. And some of them still doubted. And what did he say? He didn't say, okay, all of you over here, except for you doubters. He said, no, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah. yeah even some of you that are standing here doubting right now. That's good. Mm. Well, faith makes you automatically, um, there's a duality in it. It's, I believe, help my unbelief. Which one is it? Yes, it's both. That's it. I believe, help my unbelief. Somehow in the life of a believer, both coexist. Mm. And I'm glad when the voice of doubt rises up, I'm thankful that the voice of faith calls out over the voice of doubt to assure you that faith in Jesus Christ is always right. Yeah. And I want to give somebody the freedom right now to stop pretending that you've got it all figured out and just know that it's okay to ask why to have questions to but don't just live with those questions going unanswered investigate truth seek yeah. out truth find somebody um because i don't i don't know i i feel like you're listening right now and you just kind of no doubt there's fear there because you're in a culture that seems to gatekeep you and not let you move forward seek out some truth um because man truth really does set you free they, and, I, think was, I think it was paul turnier that said where there's no longer any opportunity for doubt there's no longer any opportunity for faith yeah good word. yeah that is good and and this whole branch of the conversation goes back to brian's question from his daughters about experiencing god and what that looks like so uh, you touched on this, JC, and and Tommy, you you mentioned this as well. Uh, growing up in the independent fundamental Baptist movement, what experiencing God was sold to us as, I think, was first a religious experience in church, where some kid would shout or run around or just broken on the altar, throw abandoned to the wind, and just you know scream or break down crime while they were singing. And I'm not knocking those things. Those things legitimately happen. A lot of those are legitimate emotions that happen real time with people coming from their heart, but it can also be faked. And when that is like, that's, it's literally preached. That's what you need to have this experience. It's almost like this Pentecostal test that if mm -hmm. you're not speaking in tongues, if you're not shouting, if you're not running the aisles, if you're not whatever, so that was lifted up as uh, this way to experience God. And I think the other way was behavior modification. Like yeah. you're saying, performance-driven gospel where it's all about what you do, and no one can no one can find peace and happiness in that cycle. You either become proud and arrogant, a Pharisee, or you become full of despair and you give up because you realize you can't live up to that. So Guys, I think that's one of the reasons what you do at camp is so important. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think a lot of pastors, and maybe I've even done this because it's frustrating as a youth pastor at times to take kids to camp and see this huge change, and then you get back and two weeks later, everything's the same. But maybe camp is not the problem. Maybe what we're doing before and when we get back is the problem because mm -hmm. I've had some profound religious experience and gospel experiences at summer camps, even before I truly came to know Christ, I think they were a real part of me getting to know Christ. And, I, and Brian, going back to your question, I think one of the ways for kids that grew up like we did in a religious bubble, because your kids deal with that, my kids deal with that, we dealt with that as yeah. kids. It's hard when you're day in and day out. Imagine Samuel being raised in the temple. It's It's hard to see the majesty in it when you're stuck in the middle of it. These kids that are raised in the gutter and they don't have enough food and their parents are abusing them or in and out of jail, they meet Jesus, come to church for the first time. It's miraculous, dude. It's just this amazing thing. Well, we grew up in that, and I think that's why camp or a short-term missions trip or any way you can get kids out of a bubble, out of a comfort zone to truly be stretched and experience Christ, and that's what you guys are doing every week 
of of the summer and and winter when you're doing camps you're getting kids out of their comfort zone pointing them to christ and it's amazing when they take their eyes off that screen get mm -hmm. out of that comfort zone they really start experiencing christ not this outward emotional thing but truly connecting with their creator mm -hmm. well and 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 we always tell youth pastors all the time listen we don't think there's anything that we're saying that you're not saying but sometimes, just like we did with our parents, it got to be white noise sometimes. And you, and 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 literally, I, I tell guys this all the time, guys, I firmly believe I could come to your church or you could come to camp and I could preach your message with your clothes on and I could do it half as good as you did. And you'd have kids going, why aren't we saying that? It, it's not that. It's mm -hmm. getting out of that opportunity, hearing it from a different voice, being in a different environment, seeing God work through other people. And saying, okay, I'm not alone. I love to stand at our dedication nights and 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 call them to the point of look around. You're not the only one. When you go back home, Satan's going to want to make you feel or think that you were the only one that's going to live for God. And you're not. You're not. So. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Man, guys, that was drippy fire. That was <laughs> drippy. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, I know what's up. That's what hey. you've been doing. You've been Googling. That's it. No. <laughs> no, I wasn't. On the oh, Yahoo. Oh, man. I hey, know I, that one, buddy. That was funny, Brian. But seriously, guys, I feel like that was a, a God-ordained conversation yeah. because that's not even what we planned on talking about tonight. And we've basically had a full... We basically had a full episode tonight of, of talking about this. So, yeah. What do you think, JC? What if we, what if we wrapped up this episode up and just kind of like tie a bow on this one and set up next week. And let's come back and talk about mental health and suicide and Eric's story next week. And we'll just give y'all two weeks back to back. Cause that, that, that conversation right there needs to be heard by itself. Yeah. I don't want to overshadow that with something else or Eric's story with that. Cause that was a great conversation. So what do we need to do to kind of tie a bow on that one? Um, let's do it. You just question. did it. I, I think you just did it. I think this conversation was incredibly important. And even for our younger audience, you know, you need to hear this. And by the way, parents, I've gotten so many things wrong. Um, as a parent, I have failed my children so badly, my wife so badly, time and time and time again. I've been more conscious of pastoring the church than pastoring my family. But there's one thing we've done right. We've never scolded our daughters for asking and we have some of the most amazing, insightful God conversations in our home. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. Don't, don't let TikTok, don't let the transgender movement, don't let, um, what, what is this movement where people are denouncing their faith? Um, it's deconstruction. Not yeah, deconstructionists. Don't let them, don't let them. Um, message better than you. Mm. You make sure that you're willing to have the hard conversations with your kids and just know that when they're asking you the difficult questions, we see people doing that with Jesus over and over and over again in the Bible. And we see Jesus reaching people after they ask the hard questions in the hard situations. And so parents, don't be afraid to let your kids ask why. And I think when they're asking why, don't feel like you got to make up an answer because you couldn't make the question a lot worse than what it is. And just say, I don't know, but I want to learn with you and y'all work mm -hmm. together to walk towards and answer that. Because I think sometimes what'll happen is you'll slip back into legalism. You'll slip back into preference and then you won't give them an answer and you've just cut them off. And so that's a great word, Brian, you know, guys, as I'm listening to us talk, um, a lot of the times what this does in, in the bubble that we've lived in, um, it can kind of lead towards mental health in certain areas where that the comparison game, um, living for acceptance rather than from acceptance, um, it puts us in this treadmill of life where we are exhausted and we're hitting burnout and we are just running. And when you hit that burnout portion of life, you stop doing what's right, you start doing what's easy, 
And then that opens you up to a lot of stuff in life. And Tommy and Kyle, I would love to bring y'all back next week as we talk about a part two of this, which was really where we wanted to go tonight, but God just led us in a different direction tonight. But I think next week, what we need to talk about is an opportunity uh, to speak into mental health and how the, the questions of why not getting answers where we're living. I mean, we we just experienced this week another school shooting um, with some mental health. There's situations all around us. And uh, I'd also love to share a story of an acquaintance of mine, a friend of y'all's, and uh, a, a, a story of uh, Eric. And uh, we don't want to we don't want to diminish that story this week. And so will y'all come back and join us next week? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I would say this, Brian, what what you were talking about, I think sometimes when we don't have the humility to say to our kids, hey, I don't know that, we teach them that they have to know everything and we don't prepare them for a world where, hey, it's okay to discover, it's okay to have to get back into God's word and say, hey, let's delve into that together. They're going to reach a point as all of us reach a point where we go, man, I don't know. But if we don't mm-hmm. teach them how to deal with the I don't know, we've what we're saying is, now nah, you must not be good enough. You must not have enough faith. You must not have. Right. And that just only brings more chaos and depression and problems. Yeah. Yeah. You could do what we do at the Edwards house. We always dial 1-800-Nathan-Cravat. And it's right. amazing. We always get the answers we're searching for. It's incredible. <laughs> and he's I love you, Brian. <laughs> that's awesome you you are a smart guy and you've you've done a great job parenting you've got some godly kids well um i could brag on my kids all night but i certainly don't get to take credit for that they have an amazing mama you do yes they do have an amazing mama and a lot of your counsel sounds like john piper i'm not sure why (laughs) (laughs) hey by the way the book that your daughter asked for a while back i think it was little least who's not so little anymore Man, the the level of of theology that she's reading, it's robust. It's it's impressive. She's been reading RC Sproul books for about four or five years, and she's wow. fifteen, so she she loves them. So uh, we have some interesting conversations. She was my kid that started having deep theological conversations with me at three years old, like yeah. blew my mind type of conversations. And that girl loves Jesus. But guys, this has been incredible. I want to wrap this up like we've done so many other episodes because JC alluded to this earlier that, uh, you know, you guys, there's a connection with the IFB with Word of Life. And I think there's there's common roots between all of us. And a lot of IFB students have gone there and a lot of IFB schools have sent kids your way. But there's also been accusations over the years that you guys have gone liberal. You've changed your stance, whatever. Uh, but we we started this podcast to be all about the gospel. Mm-hmm. And this podcast is all about the gospel. And we, we love to give our guests an opportunity to share the gospel with our audience. So let me ask you guys, both of you can answer, one of you can answer, however you want to do it. But in your own words... What is the gospel? Well, Tommy, you do that halftime show, and I think you've done it so well, sharing just a clear, concise gospel message. Why don't you share with them what you just did at the the last halftime show? Yeah, so Kyle's talking about we do an alternative halftime show during the Super Bowl for youth groups. Um, Praise the Lord. They don't want to watch the NFL halftime show, um, and it's been awesome. Um, We've had just a huge... I think we had 10,000 people watch it uh, this last year and we had 33 put their faith in Jesus. Wow. Uh, But yeah, I mean, so I, I, I started at the beginning that God created the world and he created everything perfect. And I think that's really important for this generation because we used to start with you're a sinner. Yeah. You need a sinner. And this generation, they're questioning that going like, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. I know the world's broken, but why would God, you know, like you got to start with the beginning that God created it perfect. And then we welcomed, you know, we, we welcomed the curse of sin and now live with that. And then I, I just go straight from explaining that the curse of sin has affected all of us. We all need a savior. God loved us so much that he wasn't satisfied to leave us to, to die with this curse, but he sent Jesus to 
pay the penalty for us to pay it in full um, and offers to anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And I think that's, that's something this generation needs to hear. Like I was talking about earlier, there's no gatekeeping anyone. It doesn't matter uh, where you're at. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord uh, and puts their faith in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus uh, and that alone can have eternal life. Amen. Tell me, I'm excited. Look forward to, I'm excited and looking forward to, I'm sorry, my words are all running together now. Excited to hear you present the gospel at camp this summer, every Monday night, Tommy gets to, and Kyle, they both get to present the gospel to all the campers there. And uh, I'm excited to be back in New York the last week of July. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, maybe Brown will go down there and do some interpretive dance in Florida. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh, man. <laughs> Your life will be changed forever. <laughs> That's Come it. On. Well, guys, thanks so much for being here on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. This has been a great episode. And uh, what what is a what is a good website that they can go to uh, to find everything Word of Life Camp? So, if you go to uh, wool dot is slash coast what uh, c o a s t wool dot is slash c o a s t uh, coast, you'll find about Word of Life Florida. If you go to wool, W-O-L dot I-S slash island, you will find everything about Word of Life Island. Uh, those two camps that, uh, you know, you can find out from there. You can find out about our children's camps, our youth camps, um, our opportunities to see people reach with the gospel. So how many weeks of camp this summer? Is it seven, eight, eight, eight weeks. We'd eight love for you to be weeks. part of summer camp in Word of Life Florida or Word of Life new york and uh guys thanks for being here on the recovering fundamentalist podcast i've enjoyed having you on finally and uh it's been a good uh been a good time i think they froze didn't they no no uh, they're uh, not Tommy just one of them froze (laughs) (laughs) that's it all right guys well thanks for being here and uh brian nathan y'all have a good week be sweet Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.